Hello, everybody. Welcome to the commentary for Seminar Episode 41. This is Jeffrey Bridges. I directed this episode. And with me is uh, Assistant Director Colin Kelly. Hello, Colin. Hello. Episode 41. And also we have uh, sort of a one-time Assistant Director, Bruce Busby. Hello, Bruce. Hello. Good evening. And we have our wonderful writers, Mike Murphy and Perry Whittle. Hello, fellas. Hello. Hello. Hello, Perry. <laughs> All right, so uh, here we have at the, uh, the beginning. This is the first of the uh, rapper scenes. And uh, this was done by you, Colin, wasn't it? You did the rapper. Yeah, I was rappers. Um, this is Bernadette Groves and Each Keith Lyons uh, playing Doc, Dr. Schmidt and uh, Klaus von Schwinderfield, obviously. I still love that name. I don't. That name just it gets me every time. I like doing it for the credits. I must admit. <laughs> uh, now we moved on to uh, Caesar and Mark One. Uh, Mark One being the guy in the headset. These are uh, new characters that first uh, appear here. This is their first appearance, I believe, right? So. I think so. Go, go, go! Turn right. You're looking for a panel on your left. All right. And that is me pushing as many sci-fi buttons as I can at once. Mark one, you're in. All right, all the glitching here is Kristen Bay's mostly. Good job, Kristen. You didn't uh, modify or add that add to that. Not really, just. Uh, Change pitch here and there, but that's about it. All right, so uh, here we have the the Burrower, which was uh, written by Perry Whittle, and this was directed by Bruce Busby, who uh, they sort of had an agreement before I came on the show that uh, Bruce was going to uh, take this one, and so uh, he still had it, and so I will let you guys take it over and uh, talk about this excellent little short here. Why, thank you, I want to say thank you to Bruce for your wonderful direction and mixing of this play. Um, uh, let's see. Frank, or the Burrower, is played by Jack Kalk, doing a marvelous job, doing a kind of uh, Clint Eastwood kind of presentation. Uh, I wanted to talk a little about the origin story of this origin story. Jeffrey hosted a Skype call for pendant admin folks, that's writers, directors, and associate producers back in 2010, and somebody... I think it was Russ Smith said that he had once had his car burgled by a guy who burrowed into the passenger compartment through the trunk. And I said that sounded like a good supervillain origin story. And Jeffrey said it should be a seminar short. And I said, I'm working on it. And uh, 18 months later, here it is. So, and we've got uh, Deborah Adams doing a lovely job as Susan, Frank's boss, Frank's long-suffering boss. Um, nice office ambience, Bruce. Well, thank you. There are two different office ambiences because, after all, he will go to another one shortly. That's right. Um, you'll find that when he does speak to himself, there's a little bit of a reverb for his, you know, his skull reverberating a bit. But I can tell you also that his affect of referring to people as various bakery products so touched Betty, because I was mixing this thing, and Betty kept listening to it, and she kept laughing and laughing and laughing. She really found that very touching. Yay. I'm glad. 
Yes, I, at some point I was reading, uh, 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 reviewing one of the drafts that I'd written, and I realized that he said um, he was berating people a lot. He was calling them stupid idiots and stuff like that, and I, I just thought, well, I have to do something more interesting than that, because that's just a boring way to do it. So that's when I started uh, trying to work in the pastry products. Right. So here we transition to the, the his apartment scene. Oh, no, sorry, this is the interview. Sorry, this is the interview Yeah, this, this is Ms. Tavener. Yes. So, yeah, Deborah Adams sounded like she'd been dealing with Frank for a long time, and now we have Andrea Fontenot as Ms. Tavener. She's a hiring manager at a, another big firm in Hugeopolis. Uh, and she does not sound nearly as uh, like she's been dealing with Frank for nearly as long a time. And you wonder why I want to know what the long time. You're as dead as my aunt's fruitcake. Thank you for your time, Mr. Jones. Very, very lovely performance from Andrea. And, and there will be this, this wonderful sort of, the, the word suddenly occurs in the script, and she does it wonderfully. She does it Yes, I agree. Yes, I agree. And right here, you've got some great sound effects. As uh, Frank's voiceover is walks out of the building, I really like what you did there. Oh, thank you. Because his chair scrapes back over carpet. He walks over carpet. He will transition through a glass door to the street. Hmm. of that car looks open. Tape deck, iPod, not much. And when he um, starts burrowing from the trunk into the, uh, the passenger compartment of the car, there's a, rov- a lovely, rattly little spring noise that uh, I also really like. Stuck in yeah, that was, all I could think of is what would the upholstery system do when it's being burrowed through? There. Yes. As soon as I take some initiative to make some money, he shows up to punish He, he shows up. The protector of Heogopolis. What's wrong with you? I think it's interesting that um, Frank really doesn't like much of anybody. He, he doesn't even like the audience. He's continually berating the audience. And so, of course, you know, sorry to interrupt, but the burrower here, of course, he's, he's inside the car, and Uber Dude is outside the car, so it's... Yeah. A little bit muffled until the car door opens, you know, as you would expect. <laughs> That's right. And because we figure our listeners are smart, they'll get this drift. Yes. Yes, and Mike Winters is doing the uh, is playing Uber Dude himself, who I, des- I described I described in the uh, in my sort of cast list as. Um, Faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, and much, much smarter than a slab of granite. <laughs> so when so his here's Uber, the here's the first Uber hearing sequence. Yeah, talk about that, Bruce. So so what I, I wanted to do, I originally thought, okay, I'll have him sort of flying along, and you'll hear sounds, but it really had to be localized. So he had to listen to one bad thing happening, and then another bad thing happening. There's a lot of panning going on here. And then when he goes to sort of return to the real life, you'll hear it all winding down with that little sound. And he got the tape deck. That's right. 
And Curry, I got to so, tell you, I really enjoy doing this. Just the, the and he got the tape deck. It's just, it's so petty. It's so perfect. I did a lot more. That's good. I'm yay. I'm so glad. And um, of course, Uber Dude sets the uh, you know the whole story in motion by telling Frank to do the math. And of course, that's he doesn't know that Frank is an accountant, but um, Frank goes home and does the math. Page one. Frank is actually a little bit smart. I mean, he he does figure out Uber Dude's pattern or or his principles about what crimes he responds to. But Frank is also a jerk, so he can't really understand altruism. So he assigns to Uber Dude, and in fact to everyone, the basest motives. That is the same motives that Frank would have in the same situation. When I read this, the first thing that came to mind is Frank is pretty much an Asperger's case. He has a very low uh, social IQ and a very high functional IQ. Yeah, and I like the fact that um, uh, the music that you use at the beginning isn't like wacky, wacky, hey, this is funny music. Um, so it, it uh, lets us get into the story without preconceptions about how funny it's right. supposed to be. But well, he's a, a seriously warped guy whose whole take on the world David, is itself funny. Is so I didn't want it to be, haha, he's a funny guy, but rather he's a guy who is incidentally funny. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, and I love the reverb in the warehouse. So there's a lot of really marvelous reverb going on here. And we've got Richard Casto playing Davis. And Patrick Lewis is just, well, both Richard and Patrick are marvelous. But Patrick Lewis is wonderful as Gatewood. And um, right back there where... where um, the borrower says, yeah, Gatewood, that's, I was trying to imply that Gatewood is raising his hand like he's still in school. Like that's, anyway, that's why the borrower asks if he's got a question. And, and, and there's like, just for the ambience, there's a fan, there's an exhaust fan running up in, the, I think it's the upper left-hand corner. There's just, we, I want it to be sort of an abandoned warehouse sound. That was the, the request. So. Sounds like we don't keep the money. And. Sorry. It's so good. <laughs> in in my first draft, Davis and Gatewood were really exactly the same, just two generic goons. Um, so I realized that that was bad writing. So I revised to try to give them very distinct characters, and somehow that came out as Davis getting very concerned with the technical details, the the contract, the overtime pay, the, the medical and dental plan, and Gatewood became all about the gross physical details about, you know, Uber Dude's going to boil the coffee in my belly, and, and is somebody going to wash the coffee pot and all that stuff. I, I, the, the phrase, by the way, oh, man, that toast totally skeeves me out. Just <laughs> so perfect. Don't you mean conveyor belt? And uh, I really love Patrick's uh, performance of uh, Uber Dude, I don't want to have anything to do with that freak. Um, that just makes me laugh every single time I hear it. And Jack Kalk uh, came up with a couple of really marvelous uh, ad-libs the, near the very end. He calls the, um, he says, pastry and tights, uh, which was an ad-lib. It was lovely, lovely. And he also had an ad lib um, when he's saying, uh, trying to explain at the very end where he's trying to explain it to the audience. He says, uh, 
did I make that simple enough for you cupcake? And cupcake was a little ad lib, so he was really getting into the whole uh, baked goods concept too. Yeah, it, it really helps when you get this sort of thing from an actor, and they get it, and they're playing the part, and they add something that they expected to have seen in the script, and they just plug it in at exactly the right point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Glissando, yes, okay. We, it's big bling. Yes, and I love the car alarm, and I love when Uberdude and Frank are shouting at each other over the car alarm. I just, I, I just that comes off so well. Um, very, very happy with how that comes. Especially out. the concern for the Uber hearing, which is of course a distraction he's depending on. Yes, right. It's, it's totally self-centered. It's wonderful. And so uh, here the car alarm is melting and dying from Uber, du- Uber Dude's heat vision. I hope you get that. And uh, I also love uh, Mike Winter's performance of the line, It is pretty annoying. Talking about the car alarm. That makes you a really, really busy Uber Dude. Now this... I figure this is worth about two million or so. There it is again. So, yeah, I actually, um, I wrote this particular scene as uh, 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 for a movie, really. Um, and so when it came time to translate it into audio format, I I was trying to figure out how am I going to do this where where Frank is, uh, or the burrower, is holding up the the necklace, the diamond necklace, to Uberdude. So I came up with, the, you know, some sort of shimmery sound effect, which you, you use the harp glissando, and it works very well. And then we've got the uh, the conveyor belt blowing up and the egg carton hitting the brakes. I hope that's clear enough to everyone. Of course, you know, it, it sounds pretty much like the end Judah trying to go through the West Portal. <laughs> it's a San Francisco joke for those of you who may not be from this area. Yes, yes Bruce knows that I take the end Judah pretty much every day on my way to, to or from work. As do I when I go to outside council, so it's... Uh, I may see you on there one day. Yeah, sometime. And... Um, <laughs> There's the pastry and tights. Yes, touchdown, Notre Dame. <laughs> Man, I knew you were going to money. <laughs> that delivery. That was one of the... I had to select that take. That had to be the take. That was just so yeah. good. Yeah. Me too, Man. He'll wish he kept up. The premiums and uh, I like I liked Davis when he's talking about the Christmas gifts, as if the you know the borrower had to stop off somewhere. And let's see, now we have uh, the Latin flavored music that you chose to back the last voiceover, um, which I really liked because uh, I was thinking about the end of the Lavender Hill mob when I was writing this, and um, so I never said that he's in Latin America, but that's kind of what I was thinking about. And Great I, job, Bruce. Well, I, I, I thank you very much. I, I really felt like, okay, where would you go, and where would he go? And you know, Latin America seemed like such a good target, so I couldn't help myself. Thanks, Perry. That was really, I enjoyed doing that more than I can tell you. Thank you. All right, right here we've got the uh, wrapper in between between uh, students forty-five, thirty-three, twenty-nine, and Kristen Bays. And it's it's a short one, yeah. We go right on into I can't talk. <laughs> right on into uh, 
barbershop trio Thank here, you, which, uh, uh, Mike, did you want to talk a little bit about where the, the inspiration for such a creepy little short came from? Uh, well, what, what I often try to do is figure out where, you know, when my son and I go places, I say, okay, what can I do with this particular place? And we go to the barbershop. I was thinking, okay, what is, what is scary about a barbershop? And as a, as a customer, what's scary is that you have someone milling around your head with sharp implements. But what I was thinking, if you were an employee of the barbershop, what would be frightening? And that would be to see something very strange underneath the hair that you're cutting. Yeah, I, I would guess so. I mean, you gave me a lot of really uh, interesting sound effects work to do here. Uh, I think the favorite thing I did was, was when the... Uh, Oh, I can't remember his name now. But you know, the little space critter in the jar comes up. The, I, I folded that noise because I couldn't find anything, and that—that's my uh, nails clicking on a glass jar. And uh, yeah, but the the best part I think, and hopefully it made some folks out there a little bit squeamish, and that's how I know I did it right. Is is when it goes into his brain. It was really wet, and they pulled off that little skull piece. I, I was really proud of that. It was really gross. And so I thought that I mean, that meant I did a good job on it. But. When, when Bernadette and I were getting the script together, she said that those parts really icked her out. <laughs> yeah, that she, I, I don't want to know her reaction to listening to it. But and, and you complained to me about the axe sounds in Dixie. <laughs> that was a comedy. That's a little different. I mean, there's humorous bits to this. Although I, that that was a nice. Uh, there's a kind of a fine line between uh, humor and you know creepy grossness yes. in this one. So I thought that was a really nice balance. And that is H. Keith Lyons as Mr. Morganelli, and I've, I've uh, had the pleasure of having him work on a number of my shows. So wonderful voice actor. Yes, and we, uh, we should mention the rest of the cast, too. Uh, Mark Zaracor playing Jason, uh, freaked out just as much as he should be. And uh, Lynn Cullen as Pam, and Richard Casto as Russell. Yeah. Actually, Jason and Mr. Morganelli are names of my old bosses. Ah. <laughs> oh, that's creepy. <laughs> well, you, you have to get the name somewhere, right? We're locked in. How how did you do that? It's an easy trick. Yeah, the the sound of the blade and the peeling back of the skull is pretty well done, also. You are so thank you, thank you. I was I was pretty happy with the way that came out. I thought we'd let you. So yeah, it was it was interesting because I didn't have you know I what do you do when there's a sound effects call for a piece of skull being removed from someone's head? That was that was kind of tough, but um so I spent a lot of time going through trying to find the right sound effects. And I ended up with like a mix of like three or four different things, I think, that, to get it all the sound the way I wanted. It works. Even I heard it went, ick. <laughs> <laughs> good, good. Yeah, that, that's the important part, is to have it believable. And it is. Oh, here, here comes the, the slimy you're talking about. Yeah, and uh, that, that screechy noise you hear is actually, uh, apparently... The actual noise of a cockroach, but uh, uh, based up a bit, so um, to make it sound a little bit more impressive. I'm a little freaked out that cockroaches make noises similar to that. I didn't want to know that, but the things that happen when you direct seminar, you know. You really went all out to find some sound effects, didn't you? <laughs> I did. Thank you. So that's like the Madagascar deep bass cockroach? I guess, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that was my sediment exactly. Far away from here. We can't take that chance. Just the thought of him sitting there in the chair, pinned down with that thing ready to go into his head. Yeah, it's pretty gross. <laughs> Everybody, send your your uh, letters about how upset you are with how gross this is to Mike Murphy. It's all he's doing. It's his script. You can blame him. Definitely not the director who made it. No, happen, no, right? no. <laughs> I'm completely innocent. No. 
This is from my own deranged little mind. <laughs> the majority of our number being human senior citizens, it would make us stand out from the crowd and make the earthlings suspicious. We prefer to operate. And I never realized that cockroaches are quite that Italian sounding. Well, this show is also educational, Bruce. As I have already Oh, here comes the here comes the the uh, saw effect. Let's, uh. Let's all get quiet and not talk over it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I think Mark gave a lot more screams there too, but I felt like he would probably you know pass out pretty quick into it. So. Look, look at the human brain. So long. I think so good. For long. And the meshing begins. How I envy you, Jason. He's so creepy with how much he enjoys it. It's just... That ain't right, man. I can't be Yeah. The phrase we use for that at work is, you're enjoying that a lot more than you should. Precisely. Once the meshing is complete... Where else would he get to play a Venusian? Where else would he get to play a Venusian barber? <laughs> and there we are into the uh, the end rapper scene. All right, I tried to do because originally the three of these people, Perry obviously, Anna and M had three different statements. I was going trying to make a conversation, but it really didn't work out, so Jeffrey said cut it. But now we've jumped over to H. Keith, who's realized, hey, there's somebody hacking into our system. Bring me that girl. Yeah, I think this is the first episode we've had where this much happens outside of one of the actual uh, seminar classrooms. So um, it's definitely different from what's come before, and uh, you'll be seeing a little bit more of that in the future. So uh, There's me in the background, and I have to apologize to Gwendolyn Judson Woodard for shoving us to the side because I didn't want to hear my own voice. <laughs> and that's supposed to be he's run past a room, and it's going into that room so you can hear it, but I don't know how well that works. Sorry. Peter Cat as Dr. Jones. Bernadette this Rose guy talking over everything. I don't know, but I can listen to his voice all day, I tell you. So anyway, that is Seminar 41. I want to thank uh, uh, Colin, Kelly, and Bruce Busby, and Perry Whittle, and Mike Murphy, all of you guys, for being here. And uh, thanks to everybody out there for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. And uh, hope to see you back here next month. And uh, I will see you then. My thanks to everybody for letting me uh, do this particular piece because it was just uh, the thing I really had to do. I had to get it out of my system. <laughs> Uber dude. <laughs> Best credit ever, let's face it. I mean, you heard every umlaut, didn't you? <laughs> Uber dude. Assistant Director Colin Kelly. Written and edited by Bernadette Groves. Music by Kevin McLeod and... Thanks, everybody. Bye now. Seminar theme by David Alexander See you again. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you. Copyright 2011. Pendant Productions.
Seminar co-created by Catherine Pride and Jeffrey Bridges. Copyright 2011. Pendant Productions. For more information, visit PendantAudio.com. Thanks for listening.